welcome to Acts Church if you're new. I know some of you online every week probably are new. I know a lot of you are online today because it was Thanksgiving weekend and you couldn't get your pants buttoned up, uh, <laughs> whatever it may be. I know how this weekend goes. It's always like, where are these people? It's like, yeah, I had too much to eat. It just happened. Um, but if you're new, this is a wonderful place. It really is. And by wonderful place, I mean the place is about the people and the people that are around you here. And if you're online, get down here and meet some of these people. And if you're somewhere else in the country or in the world and you're watching online, you know, let us know that so that we can still connect with you maybe on, uh, on the phone or by email and encourage you and pray for you still if you are participating in our services. Uh, we just want you to know that we love you. Well, I've got a uh, study here, and it's going to take more than one week. So out of the, out of the gate. Okay, I just stopped it at a certain point and said, I'm not even going to try to go beyond this point. Um, so we're kind of going to, you're going to have to, those of you who are here, uh, you're in good shape because those of you who aren't here, you're going to have to go watch it, as I'm sure you all do, at least once or twice during the week just to refresh yourself. Uh, but because you need to be there to get to the second part. But uh, we're going to get through some stuff here, which is basically hopefully going to end the identity series before we get into our last couple weeks uh, going into uh, Christmas where we're going to be talking about the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, who Jesus is and what that's all about, which is going to also be an exciting time. Um, but for now, we're going to finish out identity. I've got a few more. I've got a lot more to say, but I don't want to go forever in this series, um, but uh, we're going we're gonna to finish that out in the next couple weeks, Lord willing. So there's this judge. His name is David C. Mobley. He's in Rawls County, Missouri. Now, my guess is that none of you have ever heard of David C. Mobley. Uh, most of you probably couldn't tell me where Rawls County, Missouri is. Don't raise your hand. The one person's like, I know where it is. I lived in Missouri. I don't care. You're, you're ruining the whole point of my thing, so don't do that. Rawls County is in the northeastern part of Missouri, has a population of 10,167 people as of the 2010 census. That means uh, you would have to multiply the people in Rawls County by 41.8 times, over 41 times the number of people that are in that county to make the size of Clark County as of 2010, so a small county. This is a very small county. And uh, in that small county, Mr. Mobley, David C. Mobley, is the circuit assistant circuit judge, kind of the big judge in that town, okay? And my guess is that in a town of 10,000, I've lived in smaller, uh, smaller towns before. My guess is that David C. Mobley is probably a pretty well-known guy. Uh, he's a member of several boards in the area. I'm sure he participates in a number of civic activities. Uh, maybe he goes to one of the big churches there. I don't know how big of the churches are there, but it's Missouri, so, you know, probably pretty big. Um, and I don't know David C. Mobley, and neither do you. Uh, if you're wondering why I'm talking about him, I'm talking about him because I don't know who he is and you don't know who he is, and that's what's going to become important. We don't know anything about him, and if I had not been looking for a random judge in the middle of the United States in a small county, which is what I was doing when I found this guy, uh, we still wouldn't know who he was. And the reason I'm mentioning him is because a person like Judge David C. Mobley, who's in the position that he's in, could actually start to get a pretty big head because he's in a pretty small pond. If you're not careful, and I'm not saying he does. I don't know him. Don't sue me, David Mobley. I, I don't know you. You're probably a wonderful person. Well, you're, you were a lawyer, so probably not. But um. <laughs> Judge Mobley could start to think he had a pretty special status. Because after all, 
probably a good number of the 10,167 people in Rawls County know who he is, right? Even though most of us have never heard of Rawls County before this morning, there's this group of people there. And when he walks down the street, people probably say, hello, judge. And he says, hello. And he doesn't know who they are, but there's lots of people who know him. He goes into the restaurant and some people might be like, oh, hey, there's, there's Judge Mobley over there. And you start to kind of maybe feel kind of like you're something pretty important, like you're something pretty special. There are probably people who try to kind of win his favor because after all, being a judge is a political office and there are always those who want to curry favor with politicians and people who they see as having power. So he's probably got this circle of friends and acquaintances that like to be around him because he's important in Rawls County. Some people, that could cause you to have a very inflated view of yourself. You could begin to think quite highly of yourself. And I don't know if that's true with Judge Mobley, but it's true with many men and many women who are in these situations. You can be tempted to think this way. Just think of like the captain of the football team or whoever the popular guy or girl was in your high school, and they were just ruling the school, right? And then high school ended, and then they got out in the world, and they realized nobody cares, right? <laughs> Outside of that context, there were however many of you, some of you went to little high school, some of you went to big high schools. I went to a decent size. I went to Fort Vancouver High School. Anybody? Fort Vancouver? Yeah. What's up? The real Christians. Okay. <laughs> Go trappers. Anyway, um, you know, you could, you could think, hey, I'm a pretty big deal. I'm good at sports, or I'm good at this, or I'm good at that. And then you get out of there, and people are like, no, don't know who you are, don't care. You go from being the person that everybody knows and goes, oh, there's so-and-so, person that nobody knows, right? That's just the way that it is. And this is a problem. This is a problem, because when we think of ourselves pretty highly, We've, we're missing some perspective about the way things really are. Some people, will, you'll see, that they tend to always bring around themselves people who are worse off than themselves. And I think it's possible. It's because it makes them feel better about who they are because the people they hang out around with are worse off than themselves. Sometimes we can create a perspective for ourselves that gives us the wrong view of who we are. If Judge Mobley was thinking to himself, man, I am a celebrity we would be like, judge who, right? And so would everybody else. And frankly, probably even a quarter of the people in this county don't know who he is. They've never been arrested or whatever. They've never been in front of the judge, right? It's, it's not that big of a thing. Now, this can go the other way too. This can go the other way too. You can have a perspective that makes you think more lowly of yourself than you are. For instance, like the guy who's really not that great of a brain surgeon or the guy that's not that great of an NFL football player, neither one of them feel great when they're around the other brain surgeons or around the other NFL football players. They feel like, hey, I'm not, I'm not that important, I'm not that special. Until they go hang out with people like us, and we're like, you're a brain surgeon? And they're like, well, yeah, I'm a brain surgeon, right? And so they get the perspective changes some, right? Or the NFL player, like, oh, you're in the NFL. You know, I may not have heard of you, but you're in the NFL. And so it, it, you can get, the perspective can be messed up either way. And what we need sometimes is a good dose of perspective, and we're going to get into, actually, really in the next sermon is we're really going to work this, this part of it, where the way that we think of ourselves, the way that we think of ourselves has to be very carefully weighed and measured. God has given us some very clear things about who we are, and we have to understand them. We've been in this series, Identity, I think this is number nine, that's what I have written at the top of my notes here. Uh, this is number nine, um, and we've studied a bunch of stuff about identity, this thing that people, they just struggle with, and they have struggled with for as long as, I, as humans have been around, probably. They've struggled with their identity, okay? 
men, women, young people, even as Christ followers, sometimes we're like, what does that mean? Who are we? And so we've walked through a lot of that, right? We've looked at the scriptures, and mostly we've been focusing on encouraging ourselves, being encouraged about who we are, because most of the problem with people with identity that I see is that they don't feel valuable. They don't feel important. They don't feel seen. Especially these days, right? COVID and all this stuff. You spend, you spend a lot of time in your house, whatever it is. You're online. It seems like the world's going crazy and whatever. And you don't feel seen. You don't feel loved. You don't feel valued. And so we've been talking a lot about that and kind of encouraging each other as men, as women, as young people, as people of any age, right? Um, but today I kind of want to think about our identity in this way. Sort of, it, it's a few steps. We're going to think kind of from the general the most general part of who you are as a person, and then we're going to work to the more specific. So at the top of the identity chart, we have who we are as human beings. So i got a chart here. There it is. Really pretty simple. The chart's called identity. The first part is human, okay? All right, you can take that part down. It's not, they got it. They got it. All right. At the very top of the chart, it's going to go down from there. At the very top of the chart, you're a human. You're a human being, right? Every one of you can be like at least that part I'm that part. I'm definitely a human. I'm definitely a human being. Um, so we know from Scripture something about what it means to be a human being. We've talked about it some already. We're going to talk about it again today. We were made in the image of God with a purpose and a calling. We know that. Every single human. Nobody is outside of that. Everyone. Listen, Genesis 1, that we're going to read verses 26 to 31. There's Bibles in front of you in those seats if you want one. If you don't have a Bible at home, take that home with you. That's our gift to you. You do not have to pay us for it. Uh, we just want you to have the Word of God in your home. Here's the scripture. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, one of my favorite parts, and multiply. That's more work. Fill the earth and subdue it, okay? Calling. There's calling here, okay? Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the, all the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. This is after he creates man and woman. He says, it's very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, it didn't stay good, as many of you know. All of this was before we rebelled before people rebelled against God and sinned, before we tried to change our identity as God's loved creation, made in his image and likeness with a purpose and a calling. And instead, we said, wait a second, if we eat this fruit, we can be like God. We don't like the identity we have. We're not a, we, we want something more. We want something different. And we allowed ourselves, Eve allowed herself to be deceived by the serpent, Adam follows along in sin, and what do you know? The next thing, the whole universe breaks because we rejected the identity that God has given us. This, is, this issue of identity, this is incredibly important. This is fundamental. You cannot be in truth, in God's truth, unless you follow 
his commands about who you are. Unless you understand who you are. Every time we sin, it's, it's, a, it's a sin against the Lord. It's also a sin against your identity, who he's created you to be. Identity is incredibly important. And we broke the world with our own sin. If you don't recognize that, just watch any news channel for five minutes. And you'll know. Although I don't recommend you do. It really is depressing. The online dictionary resource, merriamwebster.com has a number of, of definitions for the word identity. Two of them are this. The qualities, beliefs, etc., that make a particular person or group different from others. So sort of the thing that separates different people. Okay? The other one is the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. So we talk about somebody's identity as their personality. Neither of these are great, but both of them sort of help us understand how we move sort of down that list, human, and then what are the things that are sort of different about each human. Okay, that makes sense. The first level of the identity chart is human. That's different than every other part of creation. How, well, how is that part of our identity? How does it separate us from others? It separates us because we are the only ones, the only ones that we know of that have ever been made in the image and likeness of God. We are the only ones that we, we hold a special place that no other creation of God has ever had or that we know of ever will have. I'm not telling God what he's going to do forever and ever and ever, but as far as we know, you are in a unique place in all of the creation of God as made in his image and likeness. That makes you different than everything else. People who go, well, we're just animals. No. Some of us may act like that sometimes, right? But we are not animals. You are not an animal. You were made totally separately and differently from all of that. Do not buy into that. Do not believe that. That is nonsense. It comes from bad science and bad philosophy and bad religion. Not the band, but just bad religion. Okay? You are not an animal. You're not. You're a human being made in the image and likeness of God. You're unique. Unique in that way. We're very special. Bob and Larry, the cucumber and the tomato, they weren't lying, right? <laughs> God made you special, and he loves you very much, right? That's true. I loved those shows. When my kids were growing up, I was always watching those. We had the little VCR and the things with the, yeah, we watched them all the time. It was great. Um, I would still totally watch that. I don't know if they still have that. Uh, it's a great honor and blessing to be a human being, okay? It really is, because you are bearers of his image and likeness. If you don't understand that, you just don't understand you. You just don't understand you. Now, after the identity level of human, we can break ourselves into a bunch of other categories, and people do. People break in all kinds of categories to separate themselves from one another. Say, you're this, but I'm that. You're this, but I'm that. And they do all this stuff, and they, and they think about it at the level of identity. My identity, you hear that word a lot these days. I have this identity or that identity. Categories like that are not what's important to God. Whether it's race or wealth or class or physical attributes or abilities or disabilities, all of these things, they have nothing to do with who you are or your value as a person made in the image and likeness of God. Let's go through a few of them. As to race, which is a stumbling block to the world, as you probably have seen. Also, watch the news for five minutes. God tells us clearly in the scriptures that race isn't even a thing. It's not a thing. 
Listen to this, Acts 17, 26 to 27. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they may grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. One blood. One blood. There aren't races. There are just humans. That category human cannot be subdivided into racial classes or racial groups. That's not a thing. You can talk about where somebody lives. You can talk about little cultural things that go on. You can talk about you know, differences in the way we look, things like that that may be true. But there is no such thing as race. There's just a human race. It's not a thing. If you think you're better than another person because of your race, you're calling God a liar. And you don't even know who you are or who anyone else is. You don't have a race. You're a human being descended from Adam and Eve like everybody else. Every other human being that has ever walked the earth is a descendant, is a descendant of the same couple. That's all there is to it. And science is pointing more and more and more to that as well. They'll figure it out eventually. Your skin color doesn't make you special or not special. Not a thing. Neither does anyone else's skin color. You and the other person are special because God made you in his image and likeness. That's why you're special. Not because of your skin color. People who go around with like this, like, white power. What, what does that even mean? I don't even understand what that means. Or I'm proud to be white. Like, oh, well, you did a lot to earn it, you know. <laughs> Way to stay out of the sun. <laughs> Isn't this, it's quite a guy, right? I mean, it's quite a guy. I, look, that kind of stuff is just so evil and nonsensical. It's nonsensical. And anyone could do it. I'm special because they find some reason. Because they don't understand they're made in the image and likeness of God. And they feel bad about themselves. And so they're searching for something to give themselves an identity that will make them feel good. Where do you think racism comes from? I need to feel superior to somebody. No, you don't. You were made in the image and likeness of God. Give me a break with the racism. Those in the world... They've been tripping on this for as long. The first time somebody got a suntan is my guess. <laughs> right? They've been tripping on this for as far as, as, as far as we can go back in history. This garbage of racism has even been a problem in some who call themselves Christians. Some who have been in churches. Some have even twisted scripture to try to defend racism. It's evil. It's wrong. It's got nothing to do with anything that God cares about. God cares about you because you're his child made in his image and likeness. He does not care how light or dark you are, what country your parents or great-grandparents came from. Give all that stuff up. It's nothing to be proud of or not proud of. Who cares? You're made in the image and likeness of God. We're all humans. God's made us all from one blood. This racism stuff is just not in the scripture. So if you've been thinking differently than that about these issues, stop, repent today, turn from that, and love people who God has made in his image and likeness, just like you love yourself. As to physical appearance, we've studied some of this. I actually got into this a little bit in our study on women. Some people think that physical appearance gives them some sort of identity or value. 
If you have still not gotten the point on that, let me make it clear to you from the scriptures. God does not value people on whether they are handsome or pretty or tall or short or can run fast or have some kind of disability or whatever. That's not, God's not sitting there being like, well, and making a list about who you are and what your identity is based on those things. It's not even a thing. Every one of you, he thought about, he planned out, he knit you together in your mother's womb. This is why we're against abortion. Because you were thought of. You're special. You're, but I have a disability. Uh-huh. We all do. It's called sin. You also have this one that's this, and I have this one that's that. There is not one of you walking around here that doesn't have some kind of disability. Yes, some people have worse things to deal with physically. Some people emotionally. Some people have mental illnesses they have to go through. Some people, whatever it is. Yes, we're in a fallen world and there are disabilities. It does not change the fact that God made you special, planned you, and has a purpose for all of it, including the disabilities and the difficulties. If you valued the, the things that God values, you'd value the people that God values, which is everybody. See them with God's eyes. Listen to this, 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, this is David's, David's family, and they're trying to find the king, and, and, and so he starts bringing out the brothers. Jesse, David's dad, starts bringing out David's brothers. It's like tall, good-looking, handsome, like, you know, doing the whole thing. And like, this has got to be him. Look at the muscles on this guy, right? He's got that sweet hair and whatever. This has got to be the guy. And God's like, no. And brings the next one. No, no, no. And, this, and then this happens. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance, or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Let me tell you something, young men and young women. If you are unmarried, if you are going around and you have a list of priorities, looking at the person you want to marry, and the first thing on that list is about outward appearance, you're going to be really unhappy. Okay? Could it work out? Maybe. The one that I happen to think looks the best also has the heart that I want. But more likely, you should be looking to the heart of that man or the heart of that woman. That's not, of course, what society says, right? I don't know if you figured this out yet. If you've been here very long, you probably have. We don't care what society says. They are usually wrong. God does not look on the outward appearance. But he says that man does. Yeah, that's our natural thing. Don't tell me about how you aren't whatever enough. God planned you and made you and made you in his image and likeness and loves you and you are enough in all of those areas. Some of you would like to be rich. No, we're all perfect. None of us want money. Okay. Some of you want to be rich. Some of you think that having a lot of money and being of a high class and having a high status is something to go after. God does not care about all that either. You are not more valuable if you are poor. You are not more valuable if you are rich. It's not part of the equation. Oh, well, how much money does he have? Well, he's not getting into heaven with that in his bank account. <laughs> or he's got too much money. He should have given more money. Listen, stop all that. You are not more valuable if society happens to think you're high class or less valuable if society happens to think you're low class. Nonsense. Who is Jesus going to? Just going after all the rich guys, right? It's like, oh, that guy's important. <laughs> Let's go talk to him. I don't remember that being the case. Proverbs 22.2, the rich and the poor have this in common. 
The Lord is the maker of them all. In his image and likeness, I will add to that. Not add to that. That's, I'm just putting that in there. You're not allowed to add to scripture. People are like, I'm not going here anymore. Listen, <laughs> listen. Listen to what God says about showing partiality to the wealthy and so-called high-class people. This is out of James 2, 1 through 9, uh, out of the New King James Version. It says this. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Who's causing the identity problems? God? Nope. He's as clear as can be about all this. Who's causing identity problems? We are. We're showing partiality. Listen to what it says. For if there should come into your assembly, okay, like that's like what we're doing today, our assembly. We're having an assembly like in school. It's kind of like that. We're assembly, right? A man with gold rings and fine apparel, dressed like Pastor Dave, right? He's got the suit on. And there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, more like me. And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, it's easy to read stuff like this and be like, well, that's about them. This is about you and me. It wouldn't have to be here if this wasn't a problem. This is what we do sometimes. Listen, this is verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. And we do it all the time. I'm not saying it's that bad. Like two guys come in and one of them were like, oh, sit here. And the other one like, sit on the floor. I'm not saying that we do that that way, okay? That may have been happening there. We've gotten a little smarter about the way we do it. A lot of it just happens up here. A lot of it happens in like, oh, I don't necessarily want to, I'll go talk to this person the one that smells better and looks like they have more money and whatever, and leave this person over here. Don't show partiality. It is a sin. It is a violation of the greatest commandments that we were given. Listen, Matthew 22, 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, (laughs) asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The whole Old Testament, okay, everything that, that, that has been written prior to this time, it all hangs on two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You do those two things, you're in good shape. How can you love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, if you show partiality to those who he made in his own image, to those who he planned out from eternity past and thought about, who he knows every single hair on their head? And you show partiality? 
He says, I made this person in my image and like this. I value them. I want you to love them as you love yourself. And you say, no, I think that one's better than that one. You're a rebel with evil thoughts against God if that's what you're doing. You're judging people with evil hearts is what it says in the scripture. What happens when you do that? Do you look down on people who are in a lower class than you? You ever watch Jerry Springer just to feel better about yourself? <laughs> like, it's bad in my family, but dang. Like, that, that I can feel a little better, right? Larry the Cable Guy, we were watching a thing with him on YouTube, and he was talking about how, how he gets a lot of self-esteem when he goes to Walmart after midnight. So <laughs> he goes into Walmart after midnight, he comes out feeling really good about himself, right? But we're judging people with evil hearts when we do that. Some of these people are the people who most need Jesus. And by the way, I can just tell you, I'm going to just talk about me for a second because I love to do that. If you were to look in my heart, you would know that it has been completely the Lord that gives me any kind of value. Because there was a time where if you looked into my heart, I may have been, it was probably at the time when I was in the best, you know, shape and young and healthy and whatever and this, and you might have thought, hey, that guy, he's quite a guy. But if you would have seen my heart, you would have said, wow, what a freaking loser. Am I allowed to say freaking? <laughs> Too bad, I did. <laughs> Bleep it out if you want. There's other things we get more worried about, like what we're talking about here. If you looked at the heart, God would not have been happy. I was making myself an enemy of God. The outward appearance doesn't mean anything. Don't cozy up to the wealthy or the people who that you see as important. Isn't that always so ugly when you see that with like politicians or like celebrities and they've got this like entourage of people who are just there uh, kissing. Um, they're just <laughs> trying to think how to say this. Um, you know what I'm saying, right? They're, they're there because they want to be in the circle. They want a little of that power or that fame or that celebrity or whatever to be on them. They want to have some of their own, and so they're going to that person. The only reason they're around them is for that. That's partiality. That's nonsense. Even in the church, the celebrity culture, these pastors, and they blow up, right? You have these pastors that are blowing up all over the place. So Robbie Zacharias, turns out, not great guy, right? I think he did a lot of things during his life that did honor the Lord, but he was a pervert, straight up. That's what's up. There's a number of pastors that have blown up. The guy up in New York, I don't remember his name, don't care, don't need to talk about it, but person after person that blows up. You know why? Because they got this celebrity stuff. People started going, it's kind of like in 1 Corinthians, right, in the first chapter, he's talking about, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of this, I'm of Christ. Look, there's only Jesus. Look, if we can get it right in one place, we've got to get it right in the church. There's only Jesus. You don't follow one of our pastors or elders or me or one of the deacons or whoever. You don't follow. You follow Jesus. To the extent that the rest of us are following Jesus, then yes, we can all be following in the same direction. But we only follow Jesus. This celebrity stuff has got to go. Because they're making a movie about the guy from Living Hope. Didn't know him. Wasn't a friend of mine or anything. Don't know anything about that sad situation. But supposedly Christian Bale is going to come play a failed pastor from Vancouver. Aren't you proud? not good. And the worst thing about it to me is that you've got this pastor over here, that pastor over there who fails, and it is a big deal, and it's all over the paper. 
And no one talks about the 300 churches with faithful people doing the faithful work of God that have been going on. Some of these pastors and elders and deacons and whatever have been doing this for decade after decade after decade, humbly serving the Lord. You're never going to hear about that. But some young pastor who's been pastoring for three years and his church blows up because he's an alcoholic and cheating on his wife, that's all over the paper. I'd like to be known for something else. So how about we don't make celebrities? How about we don't show partiality in that way and treat some people like they're more important than other people? They're not. Nothing important about standing up here, I can tell you that. We're all God's creatures made in his image and likeness with a calling and a purpose. Let me just tell you something for those of you who when you get around people that have a little money or a little power, a little influence, or maybe you're a little known, you like to do a little name dropping, you like that kind of thing, let me tell you something. It does you no good to seek the attention of the wise and mighty and noble according to the world's standards. And I know that seems hard because sometimes it opens doors and business, sometimes it does whatever, but it does you no good to seek the favor of those who are wise and mighty and noble according to the world's standards. Listen to this. This is out of 1 Corinthians. This is that same place where he was talking about, I'm a Paul, I'm a Paulus. Later in the chapter, he says this, it's verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren. And here we go. This is for us. That not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Congratulations, those of you who are here and called. Not many of you are mighty or noble or wise according to the flesh. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Not in yourself. Not in your wisdom and nobility. You're mighty. No. We glory in the Lord. He's taken me a wicked, sinful man destined for hell and destruction, living against the Lord when I knew better. And he took me and he found me and he saved me. And now I can glory not in myself, but in him. Right? Yeah. So many of you, that's the case. Don't seek the favor of the people in the world or the people the world thinks is special because they're wise or noble or celebrated. Seek to know and serve the humble, those who need you. You know who doesn't need your service? The people who are so special according to the world. They think they're doing just fine. How about those who really need you? How about those who really need Jesus and you are the body of Christ? How about we serve them? How about we focus on them? Serve the people who can't repay you, who can't help you to network who can't lift you up in the eyes of the world. They can't do anything for you. That's who you should serve, honoring God, because that's who you were before you were in Christ. But we seek friendship with the world. We just do. It's a struggle. James 4, 4 through 10. Adulterers and adulteresses, 
Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? You want to be an enemy of God? Be friends with the world. Care about what they care about. Seek after the things they seek after. Make sure you get enough Instagram likes. Make sure that you're the most popular person. Make sure that you're around the people who are really important according to the world. And go ahead and make yourself an enemy of God. That's adultery. God says, me, only me, me first, love me, humble yourself in my sight, I'll lift you up. And we go, but the world, I want them to like me. Why can't they just like me? They're not going to like you. They don't like Jesus. If they hated him, they'll hate you, his servant. Good thing that your eternal life is in him. And you have us. We're not that bad. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the Lord who dwells in us yearns jealously? Remember the Israelites always chasing after idols? God's like, here's bread just coming out of nowhere. And we're just going to have the quail come in. You just get to eat them. Here's water coming from a rock. Here's, here's all this. Hey, I'll just make the Red Sea split. Take you out of slavery. We, did, we sang the whole song today, right? Here we go. Oh, and here's this whole land flowing with milk and honey. And they're like, but those guys have a, uh, a statue that they're worshiping. We wouldn't be like them. Like, huh? What? What, uh, what are you talking about? And then we go, can you believe them? These are Israelites. What's going on with them? And then we go back and we look at what we spend our money on. What we spend our time on. The idols that we build up in our lives. And we go, oh, that's what they meant? But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, here's the easy thing to do. Ready? Submit to God. Submit to him and what he's called you to do. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He's got no power over you. You're in Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. James is preaching right here. Like, I'd feel bad with some of that, but I don't because it's in the Bible, so deal with that, okay? This is where we are. We get double-minded. We focus on the things that we don't need to be focusing on. And somehow in that, we end up with all these identity problems. Who are we? Not enough people like me. Well, maybe you were looking to the wrong people. Maybe you're looking to people, period, when you should have been looking to the one who made you. In his image and likeness and loves you and has given you a purpose. Now, that's some scripture there. We are adulterers and adulteresses when we seek to be connected to the world and to the wickedness, wickedness of the world. Stop preferring those who the world prefers. We should not be caught up with all that, with celebrities and culture. I can't believe how much we know about these people. Who cares where Tom Cruise is vacationing? I, honestly, Taylor Swift got a puppy. What? I, what? I don't even know who Taylor Swift is. I'll just be honest with you. That's how out of it. I know she's a singer of some kind. Probably terrible music if it gets past 2,000. That's my, that's my thought on that. I'm, I'm, I'm sure she's, she's a fine musician. I don't care that she got a puppy or a kitty or whatever is going on, right? Oh, my gosh, the, the gram is blowing up. The celebrity did that. Dude, they're just people like you, only in a lot of cases more crazy. Which is saying something with some of you, right? Listen, they're just people. If you're a believer and you get caught up in all that, I, I got to just tell you straight up, you're wasting your time. 
You're wasting the space up here in this brain, this mind that God gave you that could be doing so much more for so many more people and for yourself and for your family. But nope, you got to have that one in there. Taylor Swift's new puppy. Come on. There's only one example for me in life where I do try to gain favor, and that is with my cat, Chesterton. I just want this dumb cat to love me. That's all I want. And to snuggle me. Like, it's just like, I just want it. The problem is, he's a cat, and cats are jerks. I don't know if you know this. He loves everybody else in the house. My son comes in, he just like jumps up and, and he's all in, he's snuggling, put his face right in his eyesight. Like, I just, come on, uh, what the kid, my wife, like, she's just stay away. He's just all over her, will not come to me. Apparently, that's because I make him come sit with me and I grab him and make him uncomfortable and pet him. Yeah, I also pay for the food and let him poop in a box in my bathroom. I should get some snuggles out of this deal, right? All right, we're only to the first thing of the chart. I got to keep going. Uh, the next massively important aspect of our identity is whether we are identified with Christ. Are we in Christ as a Christ follower? Have we done what Romans 10 tells us to do? This is what it says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Listen, online, in this room, this is really important. Listen, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see what the scripture is saying here? Listen, identity, we got, I got this identity, I got that identity. God has been really clear about salvation here. If you have the category human and automatically with that comes the category fallen, Everyone except for Jesus Christ, he's the only man, fully man and fully God, who wasn't. The rest of us are. Human, fallen. If you are in that category, and if you can hear me and understand what I'm saying, you're in that category, you can have this salvation. Whoever believes on him. <clears throat> you got to have Jesus be Lord. He's in charge of your life. If Jesus isn't Lord of your life, you, if you, that's not where you are, if you can't say that, it's a problem. If you don't believe that he rose from the dead, it's a problem, especially since as a historical fact, it's just so obviously true. And if you want to go back and look at like our skeptic series, I think it's the first time I did that, number seven. I talk all about the resurrection. There's actually a new really good book out on that, or it's supposed to be really good. I'm about to read it. Uh, then you're going to get some of that too. Um, if you do these things, you confess Jesus is the Lord and believe God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be redeemed from death, justified before God. It's that simple. God will make you holy because you are not. If you are not in Christ, you are not holy. You're stained by the world. But by his blood that he shed on the cross, you'll be forgiven and free and have eternal life. If you do not confess and believe, this is extremely important for those of you who are thinking about this decision, you do not confess and believe, you will not have any of those things. Not salvation, not holiness, not justification, not sanctification, not eternal life with Jesus. But instead, you'll be dead in your sins, and you'll be eternally separated from God in hell. That's the fact. 
wish that church could always be fun. But if you're not a Christ follower, that's, that's where you are. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The same all that he talks about that can be saved, all of them, including you and me, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin, what you earn by it, the wages of sin, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I just told you how to get it. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. God shows no partiality. There's no partiality in it. God does not care about the things we think are so important about our identities. He doesn't care what the way the world looks at all of that. For there is no distinction, it said, between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is important because it applies to you. And you're important. So the next level on the chart splits into Christ followers and unbelievers. This is the next level of the chart. This is the most important level of the chart. This is it. Christ follower, unbeliever. Every human who has fallen, thy nature, is one of these things. There's no middle ground. There's, no, there's just one of these things. Okay, you can remove that now. You are one or you are the other. You are identified. Your identification is in Christ or it's not in Christ. Kingdom of God, kingdom of hell, kingdom of Satan, kingdom of evil. Those are the two places you can be. God can redeem you from the one and rescue you if you'll call on his name. If you'll confess with your mouth and say, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Let me deal with the unbelievers first in this section. You were born into sin, you were fallen, you are a sinner. This line where we break from human to Christ follower or unbeliever is the most important thing about your identity. In fact, if you're an unbeliever, there's really nothing else for you to think about. My wife has spent the past week or so watching her grandmother uh, die, Grandma Joan. Joan was a, well, I mean, she's still alive, but she's not really with us in the same way right now. She was always just this bright, vibrant woman. Super hardworking, super hospitable, served people, loved, always, everybody loved Joan. She's just a fun lady. She lived her whole life, and now her body is going. In her last days, Tiffany, her brother Tim, both of whom are back in the booth there working for us this morning, are watching her die. She'll probably pass in the next few days here, and that will be the last time her body breathes on this earth. I know more people, I think, that have died in the last, in the recent past, the last couple years, than at any other time in my life. It may be true for you, too. I don't know with COVID, with just natural causes, with a million things that are going on. I've just, I've just known more people who have died, many of whom probably didn't know they were going to be dying when they did. For each one of those people and for you, on the day when your body ends its life in this fallen world, there is only one question that's going to matter. And it's this, is your identity in Jesus? Is your identity in Jesus Christ? That is the only question that's going to matter. And by the way, that day could be today. You are not promised tomorrow. If you think you were promised tomorrow, you are mistaken. I know when I was growing up, there was a lot of people who do this like fire and brimstone, like get right tonight, you've been wrong for too long, and turn or burn and whatever. And it was always like, it's just a little off-putting. Didn't mean it wasn't true. Didn't mean it wasn't true. 
I noticed that we've got seats that we could fit more people in here that need to know Jesus. If we were serious about this, we understood that if, if the people we know, they die and they are not in Christ, they are not identified with Christ, they're going to hell. Let's think about that as we're thinking about who we might want to have with us when we come to church, who we might want to be going over and spending some time with, having some coffee with, and talking to about Jesus. Because this question is the question. Will Jesus Christ say, oh, hey, I know you. You're mine. Or will he say what he said in Matthew 7, 23, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You don't want to hear that. I promise you. You want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in. But there's a, there are people who are not going to hear that because they've been rebels and they've made their identity as someone against God. The unbeliever. If you are on the unbeliever side of the chart, there's only one thing for you to think about. The believer's going to have more to think about, but the unbeliever has only one thing to, to think about. I, and I don't care, by the way, when you tell me you're a good husband or wife or father or mother, you're good to your boss or you gave money to the United Way, I don't care. That is not getting you into heaven. You think that could get you into heaven? If that was true, why did Jesus have to die on a cross, a horrible death? If you think that your sin could be covered by being generally a nicer person than your neighbor, which probably isn't even true, don't, don't tell me about that. That's going to do you no good. Well, I think I'll get to heaven. I've been a good person. Bull. You haven't been a good person. How do I know? Because I know me. And a lot of you. And I've never known any good person. Not in my whole life. I mean, I'm talking, they start young too. Am I wrong? Two years old. And it's like, what are you? I will, you know, they're just, I'm not hitting. I'm not hitting. I was just using my hands to make a point. But seriously, kids, like, they're so, like, they don't even have to be taught to be evil. Right? You are not a good person. You're not a good person. I don't care if you have money or status or power. None of that's buying you into heaven. If you have not confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will not be saved. Period. You will have your place with the unbelievers. Let me tell you about that place. Revelation 21, 5 through 8. Then he who sat on the throne said, this is Jesus talking, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give it the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. You ever told a lie? Yeah shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. He doesn't make it hard to figure out where he's coming from. Jesus is really clear about this. You're a believer, you have his grace. It's what he died for. Pay for your sin. You're an unbeliever, you've rejected his grace and his gift for you. And there's only one place that you can go, the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But for God's grace, every one of us would experience that second death. But he gives us grace. All we have to do is confess and repent. I know it's difficult to hear for those of you who maybe are online or maybe you're here today and we're thinking, hey, let's hear a pep talk. 
I'm not going to lie to you, though. This is the reality. This is the scripture that I'm reading to you. God's word. Literally, this is, this is God talking. This is what he's saying. This is me. This is God talking. Do I wish that you could all have whatever and do whatever you want your whole life and still? Actually, no, I really don't because it's not good for you. But this is what God says. This is how he does it. This is a reality far greater than all the nonsense and dribble that the world wants to talk about and think about. Where Tom Cruise took his vacation? What's going on with the latest variant of the coronavirus? What's this? What's that? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And salvation and eternal life is hanging on the line for every human that you know. Maybe the topic of your conversation might want to move in that direction. you're an unbeliever, there's only one thing you need to be thinking about. Am I identified with Christ or not? For the believer, there's a whole other level to your identity. Like I said from the beginning, there's calling and purpose and perspective. Gifts, abilities, tools, personality. Now, I hope that you can come next week to hear that because it's 1125. So, and I actually ended it. That's pretty good. That's not bad. I'm getting better at this. A few more years, I'll know what I'm doing. Come on up, band. Hey, listen, I'm going to ask that the pastors um, and any elders who are here would go back to the prayer room. If you have not become a believer, if you are an unbeliever headed where I've just told you you're headed in your life, and it's not just when you die and your death, your whole life is affected by that. Your whole understanding of your identity is affected by that want to come to know Jesus Christ today, just go back in that, through those doors, right past the bathroom, and someone's going to pray with you. We're going to talk to you, maybe give you a Bible, maybe talk about what's next, talk about baptism, talk about what it looks like to join this family. Not many of us are wise according to the world, not many of us are mighty, not many of us are whatever, but you know what? We love you. And it's real. You won't get that from the world. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for all the gifts you give us. God, I pray that each one of us would understand just what it means to be made in your image and likeness, just what it means that you who created the universe, all that stuff we see that the Hubble Space Telescope takes pictures of, every amazing animal, every amazing thing, every amazing person, everything that we can see, you made all of that, and yet you sat there and you thought about me about every one of them counting the hairs on their head precious to you more precious than anything that we've ever had we see our children we're just we're just blown away and you're even more so about every one of us you just think about us the thoughts that you think towards us are so many lord i pray we'd understand that and be encouraged in that jesus those who you are calling to who your holy spirit is drawing to yourself whether they're online whether they're here whether they listen to this two years from now God, draw them to yourself. Save them, Jesus. Be Lord of their life. Let them make you Lord. Let them believe that you were raised from the dead. Because that's our hope. God, I love you. Be with us this week. Draw people who need to know you into this place.